listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. All right, everyone, here is round two of 2021 goal settings. So I got Terrence in the studio with me. And so if you listen to the previous podcast, I gave my goals, Terrence asked questions, and now we're going to flip roles, and Terrence is going to share his goals. I get to ask him questions. Terrence, how are you? Fantastic. I'm here. I'm warmed up. I'm ready to talk about my goals and look back at 2020, and I think it's going to be super beneficial, and hopefully the audience gets something out of it. And right before we record on here, you were talking about how enjoyable it was to read it and go back because you forgot some stuff, and that's one of the benefits of writing the chapter. So, so repeat what you said like two minutes ago, if you could. I was talking to you and basically just telling you that, you know, the last week I, was, I knew that we were going to record this and I got a chance to go back and reread my chapter and look at what I wrote down as my goals for this year. And it was super beneficial just to be able to compare what my goals were a year ago and what we actually did. It's a really healthy exercise and something that, you know, in coming from a sports background, people always talk about and it's great to put things up for the off season or the preseason or whatever and then look back. And so it's just a really healthy exercise that I've really enjoyed doing the last two years through this opportunity is to go back and say, hey, here, what did I write a year ago and what did I actually do? How much did I get done and how can I help improve my focus to get more done this next year? So I thought it was awesome and I'm excited to see how I did. All right, well, let's dive in because we have your, you have your 2020 in review. Yeah, I thought I'd start with just what were my goals a year ago and what actually happened. So the first goal that I had was acquire larger multifamily properties for 2020. So in 2019, the average size of property I purchased was 20 units and the average purchase price was around 1.5 million, give or take a couple hundred thousand. So this year we were able to execute on purchasing larger properties. So from the date that I wrote this, we have closed on over $28 million in multifamily assets. So we purchased $28 million. That's the purchase price plus the construction. So total asset value. And the average purchase price was $5.2 million. So we actually so we executed on what you know I really wanted to do this year. There was a couple larger deals. There was one actually in February. We put under contract the last week of February that was going to be $17 million, which would have been the largest property I'd ever, ever purchased. It was in Fort Collins. Literally, COVID happens three weeks later in the middle of due diligence, and there was just no way I felt comfortable executing on a property that size, that far away, with the unknown of how the world was going to look six months later. So we had to terminate that one. There was another deal in Inglewood that I really wanted to so do. So I'm going to ask about yeah. that, because I remember we talked about it a lot, because that was yeah. very exciting and also very... That was like a 95? Yeah, or it was not, 100 unit or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, it... Yeah. It's a big property. And so it was just because the world had changed. You wanted to to be more conservative. Was that the, was that it? The thinking was Fort Collins is a market. Although I believe in it, I hadn't invested in before. So that was one. Number two is it was a large property. We didn't have property management up there. Or three was we were going to have to have construction, you know, do a full remodel on a lot of the units. It's very outdated. Hadn't been touched in 40 years. So I had three things that just with all the uncertainty with COVID, didn't make me feel very comfortable to deploy my own capital there, much less raise capital from other people. And we were going to need to raise, you know, five or six million bucks in the middle of a pandemic where, you know, most people are really concerned and get very, you know, it becomes very hard. What's interesting about any kind of correction is that even though it's counterintuitive, 
people should be on the offensive to take advantage of opportunity. Most people get really conservative mm -hmm. and don't want to invest. So normally when there's the greatest opportunity, it's the hardest to raise money. So it's going back to 2008, when I started buying foreclosures at the public trustee sales, I mean, it was super difficult to raise money. Very, very, very difficult. Even for single family homes that were 60, 70, $80,000, and we were buying them at the time, 30 or 40% under market. Even just buying a home, for $70,000, $80,000 in Denver seems ridiculous. That's what we were buying back then, but it was so hard to find the money. There was deals everywhere, but get raising the capital was the hardest part. Fast forward 12 years later, you know, 2019, 18, 19, and the first part of 2020, capitals everywhere, finding the deal was what was difficult. So then in the middle of a pandemic, even though there is going to be opportunity, raising the money would be a lot more difficult. So I just didn't feel comfortable with all of those variables going on. So we had to kill the deal. I think moving forward, you know, that would be a deal we'd definitely do. We just weren't in a position in a market that we, we were unproven in to be able to execute on a business plan like that. Okay. So that it was sense. it was painful. We learned a lot. There was another deal in Englewood, same kind of thing. I think it came across my desk first week of April, second week of April. And in a normal environment, I mean, that would have been right down the middle of the fairway for us. We just weren't in a position with everything going on. Similar to what you talked about in yours is I was kind of in a press pause, let me reevaluate, let me make sure that, you know, we have reserves, we have enough liquidity to get through, you know, if the next, if people aren't paying rent, we, at that point, we didn't even know if people were going to be paying rent. Well, there's that know? chance yeah. like, hey, we think we'll be fine, but we might just take a left turn and go off a cliff. Yeah. That's why I was worried. Hey, I don't think we will, but if we go off that cliff, right. I want to be prepared for that. Yeah. So yeah, we had 500 tenants in April and I was I didn't know how many were going to pay, what was what the situation was going to be. So I was very much in a defensive posture, defensive in a way that was, you know, my mentality was, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity coming up the next 90 days. Let me make sure the next 30 days, I just get every, mm -hmm. the foundation. Let me bear down the hatchets. Let me make sure we have no squeaky wheels. We're not leaking oil anywhere. Like, what did you do specifically? Because I kind of went through my financial audit. What did you have specifics that you went through that you remember? Because it sounds like we had yeah. very similar So I was in a unique processes. position personally. We owned our home. I didn't have debt on my personal home. So from a personal standpoint, I had plenty of reserves. From a business standpoint, I, I believe we had two, I had two employees here in Denver. I just hired the CFO and I think I had another gal that was running the motel for me. So I didn't really have a lot of business overhead, but we had a lot of mortgages, right? We, have, we had, call it $20 million in mortgages, right? For our 500, 500 units. So that was more of the concern for me was, let me make sure if people don't pay rent the next six months that we have enough money to get through this. Yeah. So it was just going through property by property, you know, with our property manager, who's paying, who's not paying, what's the situation, how much do we have for this particular project? How much did we have for construction? How much do we have in reserves for every single property in Des Moines and in Denver that did the same thing in Des Moines? You know, in Des Moines, we have a full property management team. So I think we had 10 people on staff in March, April, and May. So with my brother and our CFO, we went through every single property, who's going to pay, you know, and we reached out to the tenants. How are you doing? How's it looking? And what was interesting is that Des Moines, we collected 96% from March through today, 96% of the potential rents. So of units that had tenants in it, we collected 96%. I mean, that's great. Even in a non-pandemic year, that's In good. any season, any year, that's fantastic. And Denver, because we had some properties in Aurora, a little bit different profile tenant. In Denver, we were probably closer to 89%. But what was interesting is that the motel that we owned, we have a 95-unit motel in Aurora. 
actually did phenomenal through the whole thing. I think we averaged collecting $80,000 a month there and the pro forma was 70, 75. So we actually outperformed the pro forma from when we purchased it. And a lot of it was due to the city of Aurora and some of the subsidies. And we were able to still keep the staff, keep all of the units rentable and people were paying. And so that was one of the biggest surprises, but it was, I mean, at the time there was so many unknowns. So we were able to execute. I, I, you know, as I talk about 2021, I think we're going to even have some, some larger goals than what we did this year, but it all in all, I'm really pleased with what we did this year. We were able to close on, I believe five syndications and do a lot of really good things that I enjoyed. And, and we learned a lot. And we were able to get through it. I, I, another interesting thing is, you know, we were able to take advantage and maybe do some of the best flips that I've ever done. We bought them in May, you know? So, and as people know, in Denver, home prices did not really go down. They actually accelerated their appreciation, you know, through the pandemic. So we were able to take advantage of some opportunities. Uh, in single family, we also bought and sold a multifamily property that we bought below market and they were able to sell it 30 days later because people, because debt was so cheap in June and July. So we were able to take advantage of some opportunities there. And, but similar to you, before I could do that, I had to really get defensive, press pause and make sure that we had all of our stuff in order financially, had the reserves just in case the worst case scenario played out and people weren't paying. So the next goal I had for from 2020 was streamline our bookkeeping and accounting duties, improve our back office. So as most people know that have heard me talk for the last couple of years is 2019, I bought out my business partner for five years. He ran all the back office, oversaw the bookkeeping, the accounting, our taxes, everything. And so I hired a CFO. We had, we retained the bookkeeper, retained our CPA, but replaced the most valuable person in the company. And so that was a big transition. So one of my big goals from a year ago was making sure that we streamlined that process. We, we improved our financial underwriting projections, modeling, all those things as we were looking to scale. And I'm happy to say that I believe that we did that. Obviously we still have room to grow in that department, but we hired some really good people. The CFO has done really well, who, you know, you've met and has been on some podcasts with us, Ben, and, you know, he's in his first year of real estate. He's learning a lot and I'm really pleased with his development. And I think the entire finance department is going to continue to improve and get a lot better. You know, for me, this isn't my strength. So I've had to hire really good people around me. And that's why it was one of the most important things for me this year is this is not, you know, the more time I spend in this department, it is a bad use of my time because my highest and best use is creating opportunity Mm -hmm. and executing the business plan. And I need really strong people behind me and around me that are counting all the beans and making sure everything's getting paid and everything's buttoned up. And so that's always been and will continue to be one of my really big, you know, areas of focus is, is the finances. And so you felt like you accomplished I that? I feel like we did that. Yeah, I we mean, hired, yeah. Made good, sounds like, I mean, sounds like we made great progress. I think we made some progress and we'll continue to get better, but I definitely feel like we improved from where we were and especially going into a year of a big transition. So I'm pleased with that. The next one was hire a full-time construction manager. So prior to 2020, I managed all of the construction. I speak fluent Spanish. I had a, you know an army of subs that I've assembled to do plumbing, HVAC, electrical, carpentry, flooring, paint, tile, everything. And I've grown and we've done hundreds of projects with this same group of group of guys, uh, guys and gals. But I really needed this year as we were raising money and for the first time and doing larger projects, 
I needed someone to be on site every day, meet with the city, meet with the subs, oversee quality control, handle scheduling. And one, you know, one of the interesting things is we made an offer to a gentleman the first week of March. The first week of March, I had interviewed him. I actually met him through a mutual friend, but we had we met him in February. We offered him the job first week of March. The next, you know, 14 days later, the world's falling apart. And I had to make a really difficult phone call. I called Zach and I basically said, look, I love you. I think you're the perfect guy for this job. I mean, he fits the culture. He's hardworking, really wants to grow, knows construction. I mean, he checked all the boxes. But again, I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know if people were going to be paying. Yep. I didn't know if we were going to be able, be able to do another deal the rest of the year. So I just said, look, Zach, I can't bring you on right now. We got to press pause. You're definitely the guy. And as soon as things resume, I want to bring you on. Very difficult. He had actually already put in his two-week notice. So it even made it more difficult. Mm. So I called him. He called his employer. He was able to keep his job. And then he calls me a month later and says, hey, listen, my company just laid off everybody. And what if I just came to work for you for free? Maybe you give me some gas money. Let me prove myself. And as soon as the world turns back on, you know, I've earned myself a spot on the team. Dude, what a great attitude, man. Unbelievable Good attitude. for him, dude. Yeah, unbelievable attitude. And See, yeah, that was an incredible like phone call. And it ended up working out. So he worked basically three weeks and, you know, just as a trial. And at the end of the three, I, I actually, he was willing to work longer, but I just said, look, dude, I'm going to, I want to start paying you. You're crushing it. You've been a huge value to the, you know, and you're everything that we needed. And obviously there's been some growing pains because a different kind of construction than he's used to. He was used to doing like more commercial class A construction, but he knew how to manage subs, knew how to meet with the city, knew how, you know, to oversee the quality, which was a big deal for me. And really the quality that we needed for the specific business plan. And every month our construction has gotten better. We've improved a ton. We actually ended up hiring a project manager in July. But again, I believe that because of the pandemic, you know, we were able to hire someone that was way out of our price range. That was a perfect fit. And we were able to hire him at a really affordable rate just because of what was going on. And then now, you know, obviously he's going to be making really good money, but he proved himself. He earned his stripes. He paid his dues. And I think it was maybe one of the best hires I've ever made. I mean, I'm super thankful for Zach and the, the contribution he's made on the construction side. And that's allowed me to focus on, you know, raising capital, meeting with investors, meeting with more brokers and really creating more opportunity for us to scale. So that was a huge win. This now year. let's talk about that for a second because just for what Zach did, just that attitude, that mentality, like, hey, I got laid off. Uh, I can sit around and just collect the really good right. unemployment benefits back. Then. I was like, no, I want to do this. When I grow here, I want to do that. When the hustle, he saw the opportunity and he went after it. He was proactive. He was on the offense. And there's always opportunities like that like that yeah. out there for people. Because I get people, I mean, you talk to people all the time. They're like, I want to get into real estate. I want to do this. I'm like, great. What can you leverage your skill set right. from your job, your business, your previous life? What can you leverage to get into here? And you have to be proactive. Someone's not going to call you up out of the blue and offer you an amazing opportunity on silver platter. Right. You have to go out there and hunt for it and figure it out and be proactive and ask for it. And I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what he ended up doing with that. So, I mean, just dude, that's the right attitude, man. Unbelievable attitude. He, you know, him reaching out and why, and he really knew that he wanted to be in multifamily. He had loved the asset class. He had been taking, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts. He had heard about, oh, he wanted to grow in that direction. He really, too? he knew he wanted to be in multifamily. Yeah. So when he met us, he was like, listen, this is exactly what I want to do. I mean, he took a pay cut, huge pay cut to come work for us because he believed in the upside, the opportunity, and he really wanted to be part of a team that was building and doing multifamily and on that side in that asset class. Super thankful. He's been unbelievable. I love his attitude, his work ethic. He fits our culture and he's really bought into the way that we, 
you know, do construction and the way they were able to cut cost and still deliver a really affordable, safe place to our tenants. And it's allowed me to be here, right? I mean, a year ago, I didn't have the bandwidth to do as many podcasts as we've done, create as much marketing as we've done. Well, you're on job sites and oh, yeah. uh, the pro desk with Home Depot, right? I was taking calls from Home Depot four hours a day. I was on job sites six hours a day. Yeah, I mean, that was- well, I remember you'd be- yeah. pod- I, Hold on, I, I got to authorize yeah. this credit card right. transaction from oh, this guy crazy. at Home yeah. Depot. Oh yeah, all that. So that's been, that was great. So that was number three from a year ago. Number four was film and record 20 ride-along shows with Chris, Chris Lopez for Bigger Pockets. So this was one of our big initiatives. This is a show I really love the idea of because it documents every project that I do and it takes someone that doesn't know real estate but wants to learn more and lets them get a firsthand view of how we do the entire thing from A to Z. So how did we buy it? How did we source it? How did we finance it? How did we lease it up? Are we going to sell it? Are we going to hold it? How did we underwrite it? And I just love that story because that's how I learned. So I love being able to document that process and share it with people. So that was a win. We got 16 done, not 20. And the reason for that primarily was we had to pump the brakes because we were working on other initiatives for bigger pockets and had other more important things going on. We learned a lot. I really believe that it accelerated our relationship with bigger pockets as being a contributor, building relationships, proving ourselves really that we could deliver a really good product that people were interested in. Yep. I do believe that we helped a lot of people and people found it, you know, somewhat entertaining, maybe not as entertaining as some guys that are funnier than you and I, but they found it interesting because we provide a lot of value from the real estate side. So are you and I the funniest guys in the world? No, but I think that people enjoyed seeing how we found properties and learning the entire process from A to Z. And I love that. It brings me a lot of fulfillment. I want to help people and I want to be able to document my journey of real estate. So I think that was a big win. And and we're going to continue to be able to do things with bigger pockets, which I think is going to be really great. Number five was 12 mastermind meetups with Chris. You know, you and I have always been kind of skeptical of these paid masterminds. I actually yes. was in one earlier in the year and it just doesn't fit my business philosophy. It's not your culture, right? It's just not what I really, it's not really what I need. You know, I, I don't, I, a lot of people in masterminds need that to be like motivated and to hold themselves <clears throat> accountable. I hold myself extremely accountable. I'm very, I consider myself very motivated, but what I need is to be able to bounce ideas off other people, talk to the people in real estate, hear what they're doing, really talk about HR operations and just ways to be more efficient and talk to colleagues that are experiencing the same kind of pain points that I am. And you and I have been able to do that. It's been a breath of fresh air. I love talking to someone else that thinks high level, that has a similar, you know, kind of drive and and goals and, and those kind of things. So it's been great. I think we met way more than 12 times and I'm looking forward to continue to do that in 2021. I totally agree. So let's talk about that for a second because I think that's when you go on your 2021 goals because we've both talked about this. It's always been, you know, I've had this throughout the years. I'll have more throughout the years. We'll continue when I, you know, what we do together. But for people out there wanting to go create this, like it's, it's tough to go out there and find those relationships. A lot of times they do find these, these paid masterminds or paid consultants, which as you said, that's generally not our flavor. Right. Uh, either join one or to charge them and do them. It's just not what we want to do. Uh, but what advice can you give for people out there to find a buddy or a partner, go out there and find someone that is like-minded, go out there and do some accountability and, and some mastermind, whatever they need? How, how would you suggest people go out there and find it? Because ours that's- happened organically. Then at some point, I started to catch off. It happened organically. And they're also like, hey, let's set a goal here right. and meet once a month. I can't remember why we said that. 
but something triggered that like, hey, this is, we enjoy talking together. Let's get a little more formal and just unplug for an hour and have a, have a, you know. Yeah, I think at the end of 2019, you and I were just sitting around in your office and just said, hey, what would it look like to be more intentional about meeting with no agenda just to talk about both of our businesses and how we can improve? which was really valuable. And I think you answered it. It's just organic. You know, it was someone that I, you know, we had a relationship. It was really comfortable. We were both building parallel businesses in different fields, but both kind of growing at the same time. And I just think you got to look, you know, when you're running a race, you got to look who's around you and then who can you team up with to get stronger with, you know? Oh, that is a great metaphor. And I think, yeah, it's probably another John Woodenism, you know, <laughs> just something like, <laughs> hey, Louis, if you want to, if you want to go really far, you got to look who's, you know, who's next to you, you know, on the battlefield or, you know, on the track and say, hey, let's, let's team up and let's try and go farther together and have less, you know, friction, you know, because when you're running alone, obviously there's a lot you're going to experience, you're going to take everything yourself. And if you, you team up with someone, you know, you have someone else to, that can weather the storms with you and, and you're not going to get, you know, as impacted by, by, you know, disappointments and things that come your way. So I think that was, you know, I, that would be my advice. You know, I think that there's all kinds of meetups and all kinds of things you can be doing communities, you know, on bigger, you know, one of my things would be on bigger pockets. You know, I think find people you and I met on bigger. So yeah, connected. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great community. I think it's the number one community for real estate in the country, regardless of your market to meet like-minded people that are on this journey of financial freedom through real estate and to reach out to people, be vulnerable, take the initiative and spend time figuring out how you can add value to each other and solve problems. That's really what we do. We get together and hear what each other's doing and see how we can help each other solve problems. And occasionally, occasionally we have a therapy session. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes we have <laughs> therapy sessions. Which is what you need yeah, sometimes. sometimes. It's just, but that. most of them are just planning and ideas and like, oh, what about this? Or that? Oh, it's just a, a good way That's to get different right. device to give you some ideas yeah. on there. Yeah. So I didn't write this one down, but I was actually thinking about it this morning. You know, it goes along with your goal of fitness is, you know, I've had a trainer for the last couple of years. We normally work out three, sometimes four days a week, 5 a.m. It's been really good. And, you know, one of the things that I want to incorporate into that is, is just, uh, you know, spending more time in really focused, intentional, like prayer in the mornings. You know, I think that it really... You know, getting back to like my childhood roots of faith of, you know, sometimes you get so busy and I get so consumed with, you know, work and goals and tasks and putting out fires, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things I've been doing the last three or four weeks, it's, you know, just given me tremendous perspective and, and peace has just been starting every day with just deep prayer, you know, just getting on my knees, praying, writing things down that are on my heart and then getting into the gym. And it's really just given much more perspective to the day. So I think that's one of my 2021 goals is just really starting every single day and with prayer and just being very intentional about that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's something that for me is going to really give me a lot more peace and focus throughout the day. I'm just starting it that day in that, in that manner. And I've done it, you know, on and off throughout my whole life. But this year I really, you know, as business is growing and there's so many different issues and, you know, people, you know, you know, managing people is super difficult. Anyone out there that's owned a business, it's very difficult. It's the hardest part about what I do. And I really need wisdom and I need peace. And I think that that is going to come from through prayer in the morning. And so I'm really excited. You know, I, I wrote that in my journal yesterday of, you know, I'm going to start every day in 2021 you know, with, with a really intentional prayer and then hit the gym. You know, so often I get up at 5 a.m. It's like, I just got to get to the gym. And it's like, let me take one step before that. Pray Dude, and then, if you yeah. can consistently do both of those, yeah, yeah that 
talk about the best cup of coffee you could start the day off with. I mean, the, I agree, yeah. you get your whole, all your, everything on your body and your mind and everything just like balanced and That's ready right. to go. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. So I didn't write that one down, but I was thinking about that. I wrote it in my journal yesterday and I was like, this is something I really want to commit to for 2021. So that's the first thing. The next thing from a business standpoint is 2021, I'm going to transition from syndication to raising a fund. The primary goal there is just efficiency and scale. Is we were able to raise $11.5 million in 2020 to do roughly $30 million, a little less than $30 million worth of multifamily deals in 2020. And in 2021, my goal is to raise $30 million of equity to buy $75 million of real estate in Denver and Des Moines. The same strategy, multifamily, value add. Our focus is going to be 100 plus unit properties. The same strategy. So going bigger too. Going bigger. Yeah, just to, you know, it just makes sense. You know, we've spent, you know, I've done several larger properties in Des Moines. It's the same amount of work to underwrite, to finance, to manage the construction. And it just makes a lot of sense. And it's been some of the best returns that I've had on these properties that I own in Des Moines. And the one that we've done in Denver that's 95 units has been great as well. Not that 25, 30, 40 unit buildings aren't great. Those have been great. I've learned a ton, but it's the same amount of work to just add a zero. And so that's what my goal is going to be. So I'm going to basically reinvent myself for the third time. So I started out flipping, then I got into smaller multifamily. The third iteration is going to be, I'm going to focus on larger multifamily buildings. Now, most people you talk to in Denver are going to say that's really hard, nearly impossible. I've heard that for the last five years on everything that I've done. (laughs) So I'm not going to be surprised about that, but that's going to be my goal. I think that there's going to be a lot of challenges. We're going to learn a ton. But ultimately, I feel like that's going to be the best return on my time and capital is focusing on those larger properties and doing it inside of a fund where we have the capital already committed and I can just go focus on sourcing the deal and executing the business plan. You know, currently I would source the deal, raise the money, then execute the business plan and lining those all up. Although we did it and pulled it off, it is pretty challenging and especially in a year during a pandemic. So we got some feedback from some of our larger investors and they said, hey, we would love to just create a fund around your strategy. Now, the upside for them is they get better terms than the syndication because they're committing capital. So it's almost like a blind investment. I mean, they still get to see the deal, but they're saying, hey, listen, we're going to allocate this much capital to this strategy and we just want to see you do the same deals. So that's what I'm going to do in 2021. And let me repeat this to make sure, uh, because you explained this to me the other week and, you know, getting the nuance of the difference. So syndication, go out there, find the deal. And then you go out there and then find investors to help raise the money for whatever that portion specific they, deal. Yeah, that deal. Yeah. Where the fund is just, you basically have, is it basically money sitting account or just no. money committed that, hey, once you had the deal that hits these metrics, hey, we're going to invest. That's exactly right. So we send out, we put together a deck and an offering that says, here are the terms of the fund. The minimum investment is going to be a million dollars. We, the seed investments coming from our existing group, small group of guys of 15 million. I'm going to go raise another 15 from a couple different groups. I think the most we're going to have in the fund is 10 to 12 individuals or entities. They commit to, here's the buy box. So we have to, you know, we have to commit to, here's what we're going, the fund is going to buy. And every group is going to have the commitment. So one, five, $10 million, whatever the number is. And then pro rata, when we buy a building, they have to fund within five days. 
So, you know, and we give them a deal memo saying, hey, we have this building under contract. It's going to close in this amount of time. And then it's closing and they have to fund within five days. So the money isn't sitting in the account, but it's basically raised and committed. We just call the capital once we have the deal. Gotcha. Okay. So, dude, that's that's impressive. And you talked about your your third iteration of you going from flipping to media multi to large stuff, dude. It's been it's been fun and impressive watching you go through the iterations, and it's just continuing getting better and competing against yourself and playing the next round of game, playing the next round. Yeah, and you've seen and heard about a lot of the issues. It hasn't been without a ton of challenges and a bunch of failures oh, it's not been easy fires. whatsoever. Yeah, no, comp- it's been insanely difficult. There's been so many challenges and a ton of fires, but I've loved it. I've learned a lot. I really enjoy the challenge. I enjoy, you know, what it brings out of me. I enjoy seeing what it creates for other people. And I, you know, it, it's really what I feel like is the highest and best use of my time is being able to, you know, allocate capital to undervalued multifamily assets and reposition that property to make it a better livable place for people and create a great return, you know, for our, for our friends and family and, and investors. And and that's something I've just continued to fine tune and, and really improve, but it's had a ton of challenges and it'll continue to have a ton of challenges, but nothing really worthwhile that I've seen doesn't have, doesn't come with a lot of challenges. So that's just kind of par for the course, but that is, you know, my goal, you know, maybe we won't raise 30, maybe we won't raise more. I don't know. I think that 30 is a pretty realistic goal. And that's what we're going to target. And we're going to, the goal is to close the fund. So basically stop raising money uh, at the end of March. So the second goal for 2021 is I really want to hire, we just talked about this, managing people. I want to, I'd like to hire a COO in 2021 that basically runs the day-to-day operations for the company. So essentially the punchline is, you know, the highest and best use of my time is, is, should be used sourcing opportunity, meeting with brokers, meeting with banks, raising money. And I want someone in the office being able to manage the different parts of the business, which is, you know, the brokerage, the construction, the asset management, and everything that's going on in the office, property management. And there's a lot there. So I, I mean, I'm looking for someone really seasoned with experience in construction and commercial real estate, multifamily, and really understands property management and can, you know, at a high level manage all four of those, uh, businesses and, and, um, pieces of the business. And so I think that's going to free me up even more. Similar to hiring Zach freed me up to do what I did this year. I think hiring a CEO is going to free me up even another level to not be required to be in the office and manage the day-to-day. So, you know, maybe Q3, maybe the end of Q2, you know, I'll be able to hire that person. There's a couple of people I have in mind, but you know, anyone out there listening that thinks that they're qualified for that kind of position, I'd love to talk to you. And that's really what I'm going to be looking to hire this year. That'll be the key hire for 2021. One of the things I highlighted on your your notes here, Terrence, was to double down on your strengths and hire people around you to do the rest, which is basically a Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. quote oh, yeah. or one of his you know mantras he right. says all the time. So double down on your strengths and hire people around you to do the rest. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I think, I mean, aside from the time, just all the, the mental freedom and emotional freedom that I'll give you is going to be huge because it takes a lot of... A lot of mental, emotional energy to to deal with all that stuff. Yeah, I realized a long time ago, managing a large group of people is not my strength, and it's not really what I enjoy doing. I really enjoy working with people. 
I enjoy working with brokers to get deals done. I enjoy working and managing construction crew to get a job done. But managing people in an office to do certain tasks and really micromanaging and you know all the nuances that come along with creating that culture, that's not what I'm really good at. And I don't really enjoy it. It actually is really drained for me and I'm not good at it. And so a long time ago, I just, you know, by asking several mentors and people close to me, it was, you know, what are my strengths? What are the things that I do really, really well that bring me the most fulfillment? And which is that quote is, you know, what's the highest and best use of my time? And let me focus on that. I'm going to hire people around me to do the finances, to handle the day-to-day stuff. And the next step of that for me will be hiring a COO. And I hope that I'm able to do that this year uh, or in the near future. And, you know, like you've said, hiring talent's really important, getting people that fit the culture, high integrity, high energy, that understand the business is going to be huge. And, and that's going to be a big goal for me this year. Dude, I love it. Yeah. And then the last one that I have, so three goals for 2021, I really tried to condense it so that I could be really clear in my focus. And that is going to be to create more content with Chris Lopez and bigger pockets. So you and I, we talked about, we did 16 ride along shows. It was the first time that we did anything with bigger pockets. I think it was a huge success from the standpoint of deepening our relationship, being key contributors on their YouTube platform. I'm actually going to be a guest on their national podcast, January 18th. So that's going to be a huge honor. I'm really excited about that. You played a huge part in that. And so, and just clarify that's when it's being recorded. It'll be published later. Right. Uh, So I don't know, a couple weeks, a couple months after that, February, March. So I just think that, you know, even though what you and I did was a massive undertaking, I think that the benefits are going to pay off just based on that relationship. And, you know, one of the things that we're planning is we're going to have a YouTube multifamily podcast. We're going to redo your studio. We're going to have guests flying in. We're going to have in-person conversations with some of the top operators around the country. Some of these guys are like right out of college. Other people have been seasoned vets. We're going to talk to people in construction, talking about the best ways to renovate and to kind of hack multifamily properties from a construction standpoint property management nuances. We're going to talk to brokers on the best ways to get deals done. We're going to talk to fine, you know, banks and uh, agency lenders. And we're going to have a ton of really relevant to multifamily guests on the show. We're going to record it, document the whole process. We're going to do Q&As every week. I think we're going to have some great v- content that's going to be hopefully entertaining and provide a lot of value to the audience nationwide. And I'm super excited to do it with you. You and I have built a great rapport. I think you know, we do a good job, you know, playing off of each other and bringing out what we need to out of the guests. So I think it's going to be awesome. And, you know, the ride along show really led to that. So even though it was a ton of time and energy to create them, I think the net effect is going to be huge for both of us. And let's talk about that because that is something where, you know, it, it, it's evolving again, which is how, that's how most goals and projects are. They're, they're going to evolve. You're not going to go, oh, I exactly did that. Right. It's very rare. At least, at least for me, it's very rare. Hey, I, did that, it changed, and now it's evolved, now doing this. Right. So it's one of those things we took, I mean, 10 steps forward, a couple steps back, and then we're going to take 20 steps forward again with this new new podcast, and it's going to be great for our learning, great for mentoring others, and just great for networking, and should be that fun, fulfilling thing we've talked about throughout throughout the podcast. Yeah. Like, I can't wait for it. So we're still working on details right now, uh, internally, the process, but we, I mean, the studio is, the plans are underway to get it rebuilt. We're working on details with bigger pockets. We have guests already buying plane tickets to come out in January. Right. And it's going to be all the stuff Terrence talked about, but I think what I'm excited about in addition to all that is it's going to be, it's going to be in person. 
Because most podcasts, the two things that I can tell a lot of times they're all done over Zoom or, you know, whatever virtual chat they're done over. So the audio quality is plenty good there, but the conversational quality is less. Like it's such a different conversational quality of us like sitting across the, the table to each other versus us doing a Zoom call. Right. It's just so much for having in person. And we'll be able to get to do that long form format where, you know, a lot of the podcasts, I call it people to go do the podcast circuit. It's a lot of times the same people across the same podcast can ask the same questions. And with the format we are working on, I'm not going to talk about because we're still figuring out the details. We're hopefully going to be able to change it up and do something that's not the, kind of the, the same format and the same questions, but just spice it up. So hopefully be more fun for the guest and hopefully just a different perspective and hopefully allow the listeners or I should say viewers on YouTube to grab that one nugget of every episode or every person and say, great, I can go apply this to my business or my investing then. I think it's to be very fun and very fulfilling. Yeah, 100% well said and super excited about it. I think we're going to have very interesting guests that most people haven't heard of. They're going to have great stories. They're going to be able to talk about unbelievable stories of taking down properties and how they reposition them. And and we're going to be able to document a lot of great things and provide you know interesting, valuable, relevant con- content in the multifamily space, which is what I'm really passionate about. All right. So, dude, I'm impressed that you boiled down to three goals. And these are three very, very big goals. So, again, any final thoughts on here? Anything you want to throw in? Any goals that are bubbling in the background? I think, you know, as I look back on 2020, it was a super difficult year. There's so many, so much pain and conflict going on in our country and in business. And so that was really heavy on my heart. My wife and I had our second child. We had a son named Noah. He's now seven months old, so time has really flown. We had him in May, so in the middle of COVID, similar to, I think, you. You had a... No, our, ours ago. was pre-COVID. Oh, pre-COVID we avoided yeah. that stress ball. Oh, yeah. yeah, so we had... Yeah, so ours was a little bit before... Yeah, after yours. And I just was overwhelmed with gratitude, looking back at the year and all the things that went on, how we were able to overcome them, what I was able to learn, the people that I've been surrounded by. I just feel super fortunate with a ton of gratitude and you know, really thankful for you, thankful for the community that we have here in Denver uh, from the Dyer Network. You know, multiple people have invested, you know, in our in our projects this year and really enjoyed meeting a lot of the people in the community, hearing their stories, seeing their goals, and seeing how, you know, we've been able to add hopefully add value to them through my experience and and being able to provide to them great returns in our projects. And so I'm just really fortunate, very thankful. And I just wanted to, you know, end it with that. You know, even though there was a ton of pain and a lot of difficulty and challenges. And as I look back, I'm just really filled with gratitude because I think we have so much to be thankful for. And, you know, we learned a ton. Well said and a, and a great note to end on. Terrence, dude, this was wonderful. I look forward to the 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 uh, YouTube bigger pockets content, the masterminds, doing more content, everything is going to be a really good 2021. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited in a year to look back and see how we did. Yes. All right, everyone. Again, if you want to contribute your chapter to the 2021 guide, click the link in the show notes or send me an email. I'll send you that link. But we want you to contribute to hold you accountable, to learn from you, to network, and just to help you achieve your goals. Yeah. All right, everyone. Have a great one. Later. Later.